Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We're in lesson two of our God's Mission, My Mission quarter study. This time, the very close of our 2023 calendar year, we're ending with an emphasis on mission, which is wonderful. And this is the second half. Uh, The title of this week's lesson is God's Mission to Us. Part two. That's right. So this, this is, is Cameron's a, turn. Exactly. It's an extension the, of what Mark started us off with last <laughs> week. We're going to go on to this week and fill out some of those details about God's mission that is indeed our mission. It's, of course, the foundation for this entire quarter's study. So. Um, All right. Well, you came up with the talking points. I did. So maybe I should have a word of prayer. Let's do that. And then you can walk us through. Okay. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can have a part in this great gospel mission. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would guide our time in study. We pray that you would especially be with those who are teaching classes, that you would give them the words to say that would be an inspiration and encouragement to members the worldwide um, that would be able to unite their talents in helping to complete this work you've given us to do and hasten the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, a very simple lesson introduction. Um, this week's lesson is the second part of an introductory overview of God's mission that he intends to accomplish through his people. Now, that's the added through his people part that's going to yeah. be kind of the focus of this week's more. Um, and that's, when you walk through this week's lesson, you see I've got the larger copy of the PDF that I printed mm-hmm. off here. But, of course, the quarter cover looks like this. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a hard copy here real soon. I've got real, real on my iPad, and then you, we've got this printed off. And a Xerox copy little... over here, but we're going to have... We're going to make it through this. We'll get there. Regardless, um, I each... told you I was at my at my local church, and they already have quarterlies. Yes. But here in the Sabbath School Department, in the conference office, we don't have them. I'm yet, sure so. they got lost in the mail. It's coming. Regardless, we do have access to the material. That's right. And... Each day of this week's lesson has something, the blank of mission, like Sunday is the origin of mission, then it's the focus of mission, the message of mission, the channels of mission, the arena of mission. So you could be tempted to say, well, each one is its own standalone thing, and we're going to look at the origin, then we're going to look at the channels, then we're going to look at the whatever. I still would urge our teachers not to take that approach, that each day is its own standalone compartment, because it's just too many points to flesh out thoroughly. And because we're in a new quarter, I like to kind of revisit these things. Please do that. the The reason that these lessons are the the the, the contributor or contributors of any lesson did not write it in seven segments. They wrote a lesson, and then it had to be squeezed into seven days because there's seven days in a week, and the idea was each day you'll study a little bit. So the, that seven-day format is for personal study and preparation, not for teaching the lesson. Now, despite me saying that, there are going to be teachers who feel like, well, I've <laughs> got to go Monday. So that's back to Cameron's point. Oh, well, there's seven pieces. There really aren't seven pieces. Somebody kind of wedged it into seven pieces mm-hmm. because it, 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 that's the way the quarterly lays out. But some of these, like two or three of the pieces, may form one point. Exactly. And that's what what I did for this week's is kind of take some of those and put them into a single concept and with subparts to them. Also, some of the things we visit in here, we have just revisited either in the previous week's study or in a previous quarter not too far back. So 
there's some things that are unique to this that we really want to draw, and other things you can try to just mm-hmm. mention, but kind of do in passing. And of course, every teacher can figure and, and it out. And let me throw out as far as as well this point that if you want to walk through the seven, uh, we're not telling you you're wrong for doing it. But I'm going to say you're going to be hard-pressed to get through seven different points in a lesson in a typical Sabbath school time. That's true. So the reason that one of the main reasons we do this is to help teachers get through a, this, a substantial lesson without having to be like, oh, well, I really wanted to cover this, but we didn't have time for it. Exactly. So what I've done is put together three talking points, which incorporates the main ideas from those seven, but kind of succincts them up a little tight. Yes. So, for example, talking point number one. God's mission will be accomplished through us. Now, for instance, there was a day that talked about God, how it's God's mission, and then another day that talked about how it's going to be done through us, but let's combine that in one concept that we can understand pretty simply. That's talking point number one. And it looks like you've drawn that from Wednesday, Sunday, and Monday. Yes, primarily Wednesday, but also a little Sunday and Monday thrown in there too. So again, I don't want to take too much away, but I, I, I think it's important, again, starting this new quarter, Sometimes you'll find that the meat of the lesson might be in the middle of the week. So for you, it's like, well, Wednesday really speaks more to this point. And so you've put it in that order in our notes. Um, Well, plus it flows thematically. For instance, if topic number number one is God's mission will be accomplished through us, talking point number two, our mission is to make disciples everywhere. So Mm -hmm. God has this mission, he wants to use us. Then from there, our mission is to make disciples. And where do we make them? Everywhere. And that combines a couple of the other day's points, namely Monday and Thursday. Then we go to point number three, which was kind of alluded to in this week's lesson, but I wanted to draw it because I think it's a really important feature, and that is that the everlasting gospel includes present truth, okay? And that's that's anchored in Tuesday's study, and we'll explain that more when we get there. But for right now... All right. God's mission will yes. be accomplished through us. Amen. All right. Talk to point number one. First of all, the fact that it's God's mission is the burden of Sunday's lesson. And it mm-hmm. talks about the triune God, how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have different parts to play, but are each 100% committed to this mission, this plan that was established before the foundation of the world. Of course, that's inherent in the Great Commission. Exactly. You're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I just made a little point that as we discussed before, the gospel mission began before humanity even existed. And it includes all the members of the Godhead. So in one sense, okay. we put those together. But there's a reference to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, how that God chose us beforehand. Uh, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 20, talks about the same theme, how before the foundation of the world, that this was God's plan. And that now, and, and, and thus when we say God, let's be clear, in the same way we say God created the heavens and the earth. Well, yes, he did, but the Spirit hovered over the water, the Son executed, mm-hmm. the Father gets the glory. So they're all equally involved. Just like creation involved all members of the Godhead, so does redemption. They're Absolutely. all 100% in it. There was a really helpful, uh, insightful comment that came out of Wednesday's lesson, paragraph 3. If you would read that for us about mission's origin. Yes, it says, Mission did not originate with the church. On the contrary, the church exists because God still has a mission to be fulfilled and is using his church to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. It's a great point. Yeah, and let's think about what that's saying for a minute. It's not like God built a church and then gave it something to do, gave it a Mm -hmm. mission. No, the mission predates the church. In fact, it it predates the fall. It predates creation, right? This was the whole, if man should fall, he already had this plan. And now Mm -hmm. that he through Christ, has accomplished that much of it. He says, all right, now, 
you guys exist not only to be individually redeemed and enjoy your salvation, but I'm going to make you missionaries, just like he told his disciples. I'm going to make you become fishers of men. So right. he organizes the church for mission. The whole Acts point of apostles, having a church. Acts of the Apostles, page 9. Yes. Um, God's church is his appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service. Yes. So. And its mission is to carry the gospel yeah. to the world. That's exactly right. So the church is part in this whole, um, I don't know how you say it, this whole structure, this whole strategy of God, mm-hmm. isn't to merely be the receivers of God's grace, the depositor, but also to be the extenders of it to the rest of the world. Right. And so he needs us. That's why he put us in this organization. So this is not, by the way, just a New Testament thing. I thought that was a good point the lesson brought up. You see that in Wednesday's study, yeah. that in the Old Testament, God used his people as a teaching tool for the world. And in the New Testament, he does it, but kind of in different ways, similar, but different ways. For example, um, in Wednesday, paragraph two, it says, attracting the surrounding nations to Israel was God's mission strategy in the Old Testament. And that's exactly what we see. He wanted them to be uh, a treasured people that would be that would show forth his wisdom and their laws and their society and and in the, the services of the sanctuary and the world would be drawn in, mm-hmm. right? Well, of course, we know that the children of Israel did not do that faithfully. No. And God keeps the same overall objective of reaching the world, but in the New Testament, he does it in a different way. Look, why don't you read what it says there in paragraph 3 of Wednesday? Yes. Uh, in the New Testament, God's mission continues. The risen Lord and Savior now launches a renewed mission strategy in which Christ's disciples, who comprise the church, go out in mission to the whole world instead of, as with ancient Israel, the world coming to it. So God's overall objective is still the same, winning the whole world, but he wants his church, both in the Old and New Testament, to be the agents of that ministry. And I thought it was an important point that was brought out in Monday's lessons, where I put a little dash of Monday in here, is that when we say the church's mission, Mm -hmm. sometimes we can think of the church corporately, whether yeah, it's oh, my local course. congregation or my conference or the world church of seven, or even just generically Christians across the world. What was it Ed Reed used to say? Uh, you know, he t- where he told the story of of some dear saint who came to him once when he was speaking about you know a mission, the coming of Jesus, and she's like. Pastor Reed, I can't wait until you guys finish the work so we all can go home, <laughs> right? You guys, you, you pastors, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the church is going to finish corporately, yeah, so we can all go. Amen. Well, there's we talk about we the church, but there's no we without the me, right? right. So it's me the church, and so uh, they, they commented. The lesson commented on the Great Commission, saying, "Quote: The commission is universal in, fact, in its scope." This is a place where the world revolves around you. <laughs> yeah, we always want the world to revolve around us until it comes to mission. Exactly. Like, no, no, no. no. Super humble. <laughs> anyway, the commission is universal in its scope. Mm-hmm. Every true follower of Jesus Christ should be engaged in disciple making. Mm-hmm. So when God calls his yes. church to do a work, that doesn't just mean corporately, even though there's elements that are great to do together. But that means individually we have a personal stake in this work. All right. So God's mission will be accomplished through us. Amen. Which moves us to number two. So what is, more clarifyingly, what is that mission in mm. specific? Point number two, our mission is to make disciples everywhere. 
So I think you're already turning there. Go to Matthew yes, chapter 28, 28. And if you would read for us verses 16 to 20, give us a little context here. The Bible says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Mm. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Which brings us to the very end of the book of Matthew. The gospel account ends with that story, right? Now, why did we start in verse 16? Typically, when we look at the Great Commission, we'll go to verses 18 or even just 19. Mm -hmm. But here... We bring it out because it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had, past tense, appointed for them. So whatever they're doing at this mountain, they didn't just happen to be out on a nature walk in this area. Mm-hmm. Jesus had set up a scheduled meeting and said, right. at this time, Jesus at this date. Like, I was just thinking about <laughs> something. Hey, hey, you guys want to gather around? No, it's no, no. Not... Clearly he had, and this implies that it was done before his, you know, before his death and resurrection. The whole thing that there's, there was a scheduled meeting. And there was a purpose, there was an agenda for the meeting. It strikes me that this is the second time, like last week and this week, we've talked about the importance of planning. Yes, sir. Soul winning and evangelism. Yes. And we, this is, this is not our, this is biblical. Yes. Obviously, the Father had a plan. Obviously, Jesus couldn't have had them meet at a place that he had appointed for them if he hadn't appointed it, if he exactly. hadn't planned it. So he had been thinking about it. He explains it to them. He sets up the time, sets up the place, mm. and he's got the agenda written, right? And then when he gets to them, he says, and of course you've brought up this point before, this is not just a meeting. This is the very last meeting he's yes. going to have with them. So the the timing of it is important too. The scheduling of it is important, the timing of it. And he says, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this stood out to me in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. Jesus, of course, has finished his sacrificial element of his mission. Now he's ready Mm -hmm. to go into intercession in heaven. And he says, all authority, and he lists off the territory in heaven and on earth. And he says, so because I have this authority, you go. To where? To all the nations of the earth. Well, Where's he going? He's going to heaven. Right. So the two spheres of his authority mm. are going to have representation. He's going to go to heaven to do that element Absolutely. of the work that, where we, we can't go and do what we can't do. But he says, while I'm gone, you're going to take the baton of my ministry here and extend it to the ends right. of the world. Right? I'm going to be there doing my thing that you can't do. Right. I need somebody down here on the ground to do right. what I was doing. And so in the light of that, when Jesus promises, lo, I am with you always, yes. it's not like I'm going on vacation. We're both <laughs> going to work and we're working in parallel and tandem. We are literally co-laborers with Christ in his mission of saving the lost. I think that's fascinating. So let's look at this commission again, too. What does he tell them to do? Mm. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples you know, of all I, nations. I can't help but think about, we talked about this last week a little bit, how the the second coming of Christ is predicated on the mission. Like the mission has to be finished first. And this just emphasizes that fact. I mean, you mentioned vacation. I thought to myself, there are a lot of Christians who 
talk and act like, yeah, Jesus is up in heaven. And when's he coming? I don't know when he gets around to it. Like, <laughs> I don't know what they think he's doing up there. Mm-hmm. Where the understanding we have from scripture is he is doing a work up there. That if he wasn't doing that, he would be coming back. That's right. So that's something he's doing is directly tied to. And I like the fact that you brought out. Sometimes we think his work in the heavenly sanctuary is somehow very uniquely different from the work of redemption, mm. as, a, as, as opposed to what's happening down here in the proclamation of the gospel is almost like his right arm in the earth, yeah. you know, doing a work that is, is perfectly um, correspondent to his work in heaven. Well, you think of like Stephen. Uh, right. in his final testimony. He says, look, Jesus, mm. and so the heavens open, you see the earthly representative pointing to the heaven re- reality, right. and they're both at the same time doing the same work, just in different spheres. It's fascinating. Mm. Anyway, I digress about that. Now, the point was that the lesson brought out a very important aspect, that here in the Great Commission, um, that you have several verbs, right? You have teaching, baptizing, um, going, of course, mm-hmm. but none of those are the operative um, imperative of the command. The command is centered on making disciples. In fact, why don't you read what it says in Quarterly Monday, paragraph 4. Yes, it says... Um, <laughs> it is important. Here. Yeah. Uh, it is important to highlight that the only action verb with imperative force in the Great Commission is make disciples. Teaching everyone, baptizing them, and sharing Jesus' teachings to the whole world are the characteristics of the discipleship process. Here, Jesus is clearly directing his disciples toward one purpose, making disciples. Right, so that's not to say that baptizing and teaching and going are unimportant aspects, but they are the contributing elements of the greater purpose Mm. of ultimately making a disciple of all nations. So, I, I would be remiss... If in this discussion of disciple making and discipleship that we did not mention that a tremendous resource has been developed and is now in use by the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists called the Discipleship Handbook. If you have not taken advantage of this wonderful resource, we would highly recommend it and encourage it. I believe you can get it through the uh, Sabbath School and Personal Ministries Department of the General Conference. And it is a tremendous helpful book that talks about what it means to be a disciple, how you can personally become a disciple, and through you can make disciples of all nations. So, obviously, uh, we want to recommend that resource. Are you looking something up there? I was just looking for a You know, we, we are remiss because we were going to bring a copy to show. And yeah, I, but so you know I'm what? Really There's a magic of technology. We can just put a picture right over the top of here, just like you this know, right you here. can. Here I was looking up a picture, but you're yeah. right. We can just superimpose we, we can, it later. We can post-edit this thing. No problem at all. But we want to re- recommend that resource, the Discipleship Handbook. It, it really handbook. is a great and a very practical resource um, uh, in, in many aspects, including this soul-winning one. So, yeah. yes. So, furthermore, not only is the time point saying our mission is to make disciples, but also to do it everywhere. Right. And this is emphasized later in the book of Acts. We've looked at this passage yep. before in chapter 1, verse 8. But why don't you read 1, verse 8 again? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Thursday's lesson study brought out a really important, uh, how do I say, examination of this passage to show that he didn't just say, just generally go to the world and I'll be with you. 
right? Though he would be with them. This is Jesus now outlining how his mission would be sequentially accomplished. First, as the lesson points out, in the first area is the people closest to us, your your own personal Jerusalem. For the disciples, it was the city of Jerusalem. For you, it's your hometown. It's your home family, your, your... you know, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, the people you're intimately acquainted with, your, your close associates. They were there living in Jerusalem, so that's where you start. Right. But then you move out to the Judea and Samaria of your life, right, which is the area, too, where I may not know these people personally, but they're still kind of in my realm, if you will. They're approximately mm-hmm. geographically related. They have the same language or culture, the same kind of socioeconomic something. Right. Like, I can relate to these people. They're not my immediate family, but they're still in my territory, in my area. But then you go to the, quote, ends of the earth, right? Which is going to include places where I don't know the language. I haven't been there geographically. I don't know the culture. I don't know the food. I don't know the history. I don't know. But there's still people, even though I don't know all that stuff, if I have a message to take to them, somehow I got to get it there. Right. And so we have the more the global, the foreign mission approach there. So we have, if you will, concentric circles where you yes. start with those closest to you, but it, it doesn't end. It just yeah. keeps rippling out until everyone's had the opportunity. Right, so you start personal, then you go local, and then you go global, and then the end will come. So, <laughs> so for example, and I'm going to you know go from preaching to meddling a little bit right. here, but a lot of people say, well, my mission field is my family. Mm. And that's true. And maybe it's better stated as my first mission field is my family. But I know some people whose first mission field is ever their only mission field. Mm. That's not biblical. Mm. In other words, the Lord doesn't say, well, for some of you, Jerusalem is it. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, that's an important part of mission, but your mission is to spread out. And that goes for everybody. So, Mm. yes, I think our family is is, is a place where where we have more influence than anybody, but that's not our only mission field. Mm. Yeah, and Sister Y, I can't think of the reference, and I didn't put it in the notes because I'm just recalling it off the top of my head, but she talks about how the circle should widen. Yes. Like, it goes from the family unit, but I'm then sure it goes out. I'm sure if you search that, 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 I know that term, specific yeah. term, circle, and, well, those two words, circle it, and widen. Yeah, are it's in, in there, but, but she does reflect on this, that this is a biblical concept and it applies to each of us today. But our, our clock is winding down, but I want to hit this last point here, that the everlasting gospel includes present truth. Now, on Tuesday's lesson study, it drew our attention to Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Now, I know we just finished a study on Ephesians, but Pastor Howard, this is a pop quiz, do you recall what our topic was before the book of Ephesians? There were those three the cosmic, cosmic messages. <laughs> That's right. Messages, messages. That's right. right. And so that first angel's message of Revelation 14, 6 and 7 talks about the gospel going to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And just as a reminder, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So the same great commission that we saw in Matthew chapter 28 is essentially repeated here in Revelation chapter 14. But if you notice, this isn't a prophetic element. This is looking forward to the end time proclamation of the gospel. And it has a specific emphasis because it doesn't end there. The very next verse says, saying. So whatever we're about to say is that proclamation, right? Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. 
and worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Now, hold that thought in your mind just a second, because as the passage that we were looking at here in Tuesday's lesson is Revelation 14, 6, and 7, it asks, what aspects of God's mission can you identify in this eternal gospel? <laughs> and that's a great question. Then it goes out to Lissa. Well, we've got the sinless life and death, of course, and the, de- the burial, the resurrection, the ascension to heaven, his intercession, and someday soon his return. All of which is true. Amen. But it is interesting that the one aspect that wasn't specifically uh, itemized here in the lesson was the one that Revelation 14, 6, and 7 is specifically highlighting. That fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his his judgment judgment has come. And I just want to emphasize to our friends and family, all our Sabbath school classes here, that please do not think that there's the everlasting gospel that's all those other things, and then there's this extra other thing that Seventh-day Adventists understand, but we really don't want to make a foremost proclamation. It's called the judgment, and we're not... I would submit to you that the judgment is just as much a part of the gospel message as was the incarnation, as was his perfect life and his and, and his sacrificial death, the resurrection, the ascension, the intercession. All of Jesus is the gospel, is my point. And the present truth of this time is that the hour of his judgment has come. So it is not antithetical to the gospel to preach the truth that Jesus is finishing that work of judgment in preparation for his soon return. On the contrary, I would say that is our duty, and we have a responsibility to do that very thing. Taking from Desire of Ages, page 762, God's love has been expressed in his justice no less than Mm. in his mercy. Justice is the foundation of his throne and the fruit of his love. That's a great point. Mm. That's a great point. So they're not at odds with each other. They all go together. And the lesson brought out that the only time in Scripture, here in Revelation 14, 6, and 7, where you have the phrase everlasting gospel. So is this a new gospel? Is this just an end time? No, it's the same gospel message. It just has a unique emphasis on the hour of his judgment. In our little talking points Mm -hmm. notes, I drew out the fact that if it's the everlasting gospel then any preacher of the gospel in any ages was preaching that everlasting gospel. Was Noah preaching the gospel? You better believe it. How about John the Baptist? Sure Mm -hmm. thing. How about the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost? Absolutely the same gospel. But did they emphasize some particular aspect of the gospel that was pertinent and relevant in that time and context in which they were living? Sure. If Noah preached the gospel but never mentioned the boat or the flood that was coming, he wouldn't have given the full gospel message. Right. If John the Baptist preached about the love of God and that there would be a Messiah, but didn't point and say, behold the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. he would be remiss. If Peter didn't talk about how the, the Jesus you crucified is now in the heavenly sanctuary, right. he would be remiss. In the same way, the Seventh-day Adventist Church presents the whole ministry of Jesus with a particular emphasis on where we are in prophetic history. Right. As it says in the book, Christ Object Lessons, also Thursday's lesson, does bring out this quote, the proclamation of the judgment is an announcement of Christ's second coming as at hand. Mm. And this proclamation is called the everlasting gospel. Thus, the preaching of Christ's second coming, the announcement of its nearness, is shown to be an essential part of the gospel message. Amen. I guess my takeaway... So it starts out by saying the proclamation of the judgment is that announcement. And it's the preparation for the soon coming of Jesus, which is the next thing on the prophetic calendar, right? My point is that when we preach the gospel message, it's not just preaching all the stuff that Jesus did. 
is preaching the stuff that he's doing and is soon to do when he comes again. So we have the burden of preaching Jesus to the world in his entirety. And that is a blessing and it's a duty all at the same time. And the things he taught. (laughs) Amen. Well, we need to wrap this up, but if uh, there there was was a great summary statement, I thought, in the Friday's lesson. Uh, Why don't you read paragraph one there? Sure. If If the Church of Christ were fulfilling the purpose of our Lord, light would be shed upon all that sit in darkness and in the region in shadow of death. Instead of congregating together and shunning responsibility and cross-bearing, the members of our church would scatter into all lands, letting the light of Christ shine out from them, working as he did for the salvation of souls, and this gospel of the kingdom would be would speedily be carried to all the world. Mm. And I think mm. that's just a reminder that as we study these themes, it's not just academic or trivial or interesting, but they're applications in our life. What if we were to take this seriously mm. and every member were to go out and start giving the gospel message? I believe the Lord would come sooner. Say, for example, <laughs> if they start Took up the challenge, that's right. Pray every day this week for the community. Last day, week mm-hmm. we were praying for, for individuals. Now we're praying for the community where we live. Yep. And the challenge up is to research the demographics of your area, like what kind of people live around you, ethnic or religious or age-wise or um, in the fi- yep. what financial... Uh, Socioeconomic, find yeah. out. In other words, you're not limited to, but find out about the place you live and what motivates the people that yeah. live there so you can better minister to and them. And I put I, a little note, it said, it said research them, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go like do a, a to, to the courthouse and find out. But I mean, just even walk around, yeah. reflect on, think about, like, is this primarily an older demographic? Is yeah. it younger people? Is there a large school How in the How do the community? cars in your neighborhood compare to other? Are there a lot <laughs> yeah. of Buicks? Are exactly. There a lot of, which is oh, it, it, are there apartment complexes? Are a lot of standalone single-family homes? Are there uh, yes. all kinds of ways? And you start thinking, not just about, dear Jesus, please bless all the people, generically, but mm. who are the people in my Jerusalem or in my Judea Samaria? What is my territory? Mm. And start thinking And I imagine that as we go along, they're going to say, now that you've done some thinking and some praying, let's start acting on that. So I'm excited about that. Pastor Howard, can you give us a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we again thank you for the testimony of your word and the uh, condescension, Lord, of you including us in this fantastic mission. What a blessing it is to us. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be found faithful. And I ask that you would continue to revive in us that missionary spirit so that we may, um, again, hasten the coming of Jesus. We ask and pray these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Amen.